So what I want you to do as we begin here, uh, I want you to, just in your group, um, I want you to give a six, the story of your life in 60 seconds, okay? The story of your life in 60 seconds. So I'll give you like two seconds to think about that. And then uh, you got to give the story of your life in 60 seconds and go to each other, to each other. Tell me about the, uh, the good and the bad of that experience. Okay. What's that? Yeah, it's hard to fit everything that you want to in 60 seconds. That's good. <laughs> yep, yep. What else? You don't get to ask questions, okay. Yeah. Is there good things about it? Did you learn anything about the people in you, around you? Yeah, you learned a few things, right? So, like, you got to relate to people. Um, what were some common features of the stories that were shared? We were all born. We were all born. Hey, that's good. And they all probably started there, right? Like, you start at the beginning, and then you go to the end, or wherever the end, you know, hopefully not the end. Hopefully none of us are at the end of our story. <laughs> we don't know. I always wonder, like, whenever you say that. Um, yeah, so there's some common features. What are some other common features that you heard? Okay. Major events. Education, yeah. When they were saved, yeah. Jesus was a really important part of the story. So there are some common features to our stories. Uh, we, we all hit what we think is important, right? Um, we all couldn't share everything, right? Um, so there's details that are left out, and there's details that are included, and that is important to understanding even that person and what they, what they highlighted. Like, Heidi forgot that she was married. Um, LAUGHTER uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, like, like we're, we're all selective in the way that we tell our stories. But like Vibrant said, too, um, you can only learn so much of someone's story in 60 seconds. You can only learn so much of someone's story in a short amount of time. And when we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about God's big story. We're talking about the story of himself. And today we started at the beginning, right? Um, we're talking about God telling us who he is and, and everything that he wants us to know about himself. And, and believe me, that is like limited within the pages of this book. Like God is not confined within the pages of this book, and yet he has revealed to us everything that he wants us to know. And he's made it, in, he's prioritized the things. These are the things that you absolutely need to know about me in general and specific terms. But the thing that I also want us to get is that we can only get so much of God based on the amount of time that we put in, right? We can only get so much of his story. Just like you could only understand so much of the other person's story in that 60 seconds. You can only get so much of the story if you're, if you're just going to devote little increments of time to it. And so what we want to do is, first of all, challenge ourselves to 
know more of God and to relate to God through his story. That's why we're doing this. We're not doing this so that we can be filled and puffed up with knowledge. We're not doing this so that you can just become biblically literate in the sense of you know facts and dates and all of those things. We are doing this so that you would be able to relate to God because when we know, you don't know someone at a heart level until you know their story. And the, the opportunity of, of daily Bible reading, sometimes we make it this duty. We, we make it this like, oh man, I didn't do it today and now God's going to be mad at me. No, like he, he wants to relate to you. He wants you to relate to him. And we, we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ and that it's not about law and all those things. And that's true. But like how is the relationship? How is the relationship? Like are you hearing from him? Are you, are you interacting with him? Are you talking to him? And so that's why we want to go through this how to read the story class. And what I also want to do is maximize the minutes that we do have in God's Word. Because unlike me who gets to spend 20 hours preparing a sermon every week, and I'm afforded that privilege and I'm so grateful for that privilege, I'm sure that you you don't have 20 hours to spend in God's Word every day. And so we want to maximize the time be able to take it with us where we get, wherever we go. Uh, we want to be able to see what God is saying, what he said originally to his people at the time of the writing, how he fulfilled that in Jesus Christ, and then what he's saying to us. And so that's why we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to try to um, uh, read, relate to God through his word in the way that he wants us to relate to him. So we're, we're going to pursue something that's different than me-centered Bible reading, where I just go to it and it's like, it's all about me, it's all about me. We're going to pursue something different than duty-driven Bible reading. We're going to pursue something different than performance-based Bible reading. We're going to pursue something different than, than hero-building-up Bible reading. We want to know God so that we can love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so really, before we get to anything about Bible reading, we've got to recognize and set our hearts in the right place with prayer. Right? And um, prayer is the acknowledgement, first of all, that I can't look at this book on my own with fleshly eyes and understand what God has for me in it. There are scholars around the world who study this book day in and day out who are lost and dead in their sin, but they understand this book at a literary level masterfully. And so we have to understand that we need to ask the Spirit. We come to the Scriptures humbly asking the Spirit to illuminate our hearts and to help us understand. But we also come in prayer because it's a relationship, right? It's a conversation. And so we ask the Spirit... We ask God, help us to understand your word. And then he speaks to us through his word, and then we respond to him. And this is a conversation that we're having with God all on the written page, which is amazing if you think about it, that this word is living and active. It's breathed out by God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of the soul and the spirit. So it starts with prayer. And then any, and I just want to lay that foundation. I want to keep drawing us back to that foundation because we're going to spend a lot of time on method, right? But I want us to understand that any method simply flows out of our understanding of what the Bible is. 
our, our method flows out of the, the fact that we believe that this is a God-breathed book, that every word counts, that he revealed himself through human authors at points in time in their experience, but ultimately he wants us to see him and he wants it to point us to Jesus Christ. And so our method is going to come out of what we believe that the Bible is. But method is not the secret ingredient to understanding the scriptures. The key to understanding the scriptures is the spirit of God and abiding in him. Does that make sense? There's a big distinction there. Because I, I don't want to put forward this method that says, if you just get the right method and you check off all the list, then you've done the duty. It's about relating to God. And so let's relate to God right now through prayer. Um, and uh, Mike Shaw, can I have you open us up in a word of prayer and ask God to, to work in our hearts? Um, so today is going to be a little bit different uh, than the rest of the class is going to be. To, th actually, today and next week as well are going to be a little bit different than the rest of the class is going to be. Um, so I'm going to be talking about the, the overview of a good Bible study method today. And we're going to hit all the points today. Um, next week, we're going to talk about literary styles and why they're important to pay attention to and, then, and how they can help us actually grab hold of the Bible, as we're reading it in our day-to-day, -day, more efficiently, really. And, and we can see some things there that, um, that we wouldn't see otherwise uh, if, we, if we aren't paying attention to that. And, um, and then we can, uh, what we're going to do after that is we're going to go through the different literary styles that we're in, that we're studying in the Sunday morning sermons, and that you're going to be reading in the How to Read the Story Bible Plan. Um, we're, we're going to be talking about those different literary styles kind of on the week that they come up the most. Um, and so I've kind of put it in that order, and everything is supposed to be really integrated. So we'll, on Sunday morning, what we'll do is we'll, uh, on, during the 9 a.m. celebration gathering, uh, I'll preach, and I'll preach um, kind of an overview of, of the section of Scripture that we're talking about, the portion of the story that we're talking about. And then, um, and then we'll come here, and we'll study, all right, how do I, how, what are some, key features of that portion of the scripture that it can help me understand that type, that portion of the scripture and we'll be going through that basic inductive study method um, again and again and again and we'll be practicing and there'll be breakout times where you can you know like youth we're so glad you're here by the way like this is cool I love this um, different model than we normally do but you guys will have your breakout group and you'll get to discuss with each other so you don't get to miss that part um, but I'll, you know I'll, I'll speak for a little bit we'll talk we'll you'll practice and then we'll come back together, and we'll keep repeating that throughout the class. Um, so you have the Sunday morning preaching, you have the how to study, and then you have the discover the story reading plan. And that's a really important part of this, is that, that you're going to get in, the rest of the week get into that same section that we focused all, all of Sunday morning around. And you're going to get to practice two to three chapters a day for five days a week. How many days are in a week? Seven, Seven right. So you get two days either to do something else, which I would encourage that more than skipping, or it, but if you miss something or if you like want to go deeper into something on one of the other five days, you got an extra day, right? So uh, that's why I did five days uh, instead of seven to, to give you a little grace room, a little breathing room. And, uh, and I would encourage you, um, I might show it next week, but there's uh, Kent Hughes had this great video. He's, he's this older gentleman uh, pastor for like 45 years or something like that, and he talks about like, like, what do I do if I miss a day of Bible reading? He's like, I just move on. 
you know, and like he talk, you know, he talks about the guilt that people put on themselves, and then they, it keeps them away from Bible reading, and then like they they get out of these habits, and he's just like, if you miss a day of Bible reading, start reading the next day. God's not thumbing you because of you're you're missing a day. No, he wants you to relate to him, and the, if the whole goal is relating to him, we don't stop relating to him <laughs> because we forgot to relate to him. We come back and we repent. We choose to, to relate to him again. So um, you got the Sunday morning servants, sermons, the how to read the story class, the discover the story, and then we're going to have our gospel community discussions that will kind of pull it all together. And you can just, out of, the, um, out of the abundance of what you've studied and read, you can, you can inform those gospel community discussions with, with all of that. Um, your leader will, will guide you based on the discussion questions that are in the sermon notes. Um, but all of that is going to color and inform um, what we're doing here. So does that make sense? Really, really purposeful, really intentional. And um, youth, uh, I'd encourage you um, be be talking with each other about these things. Uh, even get involved in, in a gospel community. If you don't want to get involved in your parents' one, uh, come to mine. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Uh, I would encourage you, like, what we, what, the reason that you're here right now is because we want you to see that the church is your church, too, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And that it's not some age-segregated thing, because you're going to get out of high school and you're going to be like, well, where's my young adult group? Well, we are your adult group, <laughs> you know, uh, and we want to love you now, and we want you to start experiencing those things and have some on-ramps early on, and so that's why we're doing that. That's why we're doing it this way. So it's not because, like, we didn't have any teachers. Obviously, we had people that do care about you and have agreed to be your discussion leaders the entire time, but um, we're doing it because we want to intentionally involve you in the broader church. Does that make sense? So, cool. Um, all right, so let's talk about method, Bible study method a little bit. Uh, I already said, method comes out of what we believe the Bible is. And uh, the, the, the typical Bible study method that is taught is called basic inductive study method. It, it, it's drawing the meaning out of the text. And, and so what I'm going to teach you is nothing different than what I've taught you in the past, if you've been at one of these classes. Um, it's nothing different than what you would learn in Bible college or something like that. But here is the difference. We're going to boil this down for day-to-day life. So I think in the past when I've taught this, I've just like let the fire hydrant gush, right? And, and you know, I can spend 8, 10 hours on studying using the exact same method that I'm about to teach you. But what do, how do I boil that down? How do I focus that in if I have 30 minutes a day? That's kind of my goal. That's my, that's my perspective. So uh, I'm not giving you some like magic like, oh, wow, here's the new way to read the Bible. No, honestly, this is quite an ancient way of reading the Bible. Um, but hopefully, if we put it in some really basic terms and, um, and some things that you can hold on to really quickly, you'll be able to start seeing these things in your day-to-day Bible reading as you practice that. Um, and so that's why it works integrated with the read the Bible plan, um, discover the story plan. So... We're going to talk about some guiding principles, first of all, and it's there in your notes. Um, we, we talk in our doctrinal statement that we, we believe in the literal, 
contextual, grammatical, historical interpretation of the Bible. Okay, so what do all those things mean? I think it's important that we come back to our doctrinal statement. That it's actually a living document that we use and and refer to, and uh, and so I want to explain what those things mean. Um, so literal, what does literal mean? It's like literally. We say it all the time, right? But what does it mean? Yeah, it means it means what it says. What else? As it is. As it is. As it is. You hear it said the plain meaning is the main meaning. Okay. Now that does not mean that you don't wrestle with certain things that are difficult. Like, boy, this like on the face value, this looks like it contradicts. We can always come to the Bible with the assumption that it doesn't contradict itself because it's written by one author. But at the same time, and we can wrestle with that, but, the, but at the same time, the, the most natural reading is the main reading. So that's literal. Uh, contextual. So what do we mean by contextual? What's around it? And so what, what do we mean by what's around it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, your inductive study is going to look at a verse and start out. Now, another method which I think is actually really helpful is to start with the large and move into the verse. But uh, if you're just looking at a few verses, like we're going to be doing um, throughout this reading plan, you're starting with a verse and you're going to work your way. You know, you need to understand the context. So that's the literary context. Uh, but there's other types of context as well. Um, so the, you have the genre. Uh, and, and understanding, you know, what, what type of literature is this? And that's, you know, one of the main things we're going to talk about. Um, you have the situational context. Um, so what, what were the pe- who is receiving this letter? What is the author, you know, trying to convey? And what's, what is the situation that they're receiving this in? You have the redemptive historical context. Um, and that's kind of what Amy talked about, the whole... How does this fit into the whole storyline of the Bible? And, and how does it point us back to Jesus? And, uh, so that's the contextual idea. Um, and we, we, we still want to do all of those things. Like even, even when we're reading for our devotions in the morning, it's not the excuse to just say, well, I don't have very much time, so I don't need to read this contextually. No, we just need to learn how to get to the context more efficiently. Right? Um, third, Grammatical, historical. Um, so this is, this is a, a hermeneutic. Hermeneutics means the study of the Bible. Um, this is a hermeneutic recovered by Martin Luther in the Reformation. Uh, he he kind of, he was the one that really brought this back. They were using something entirely different, which led to all of the weird Catholic medieval traditions. Um, but he brought this back. And it's the idea that God revealed himself in real time in real human events, that's the historical part, in real human language, that's the grammatical part. And so what it meant to the original author and the original audience is what it means to us today. That it can't mean something to us that it never could have meant to them. So literal, contextual, grammatical, historical. Those are the guiding principles. We're not going to talk about those things a lot, but again, they're in our doctrinal statement. And I, I wanted us to, you know, 
wrestle with that and return to that. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to be the guiding principles, even though we're not going to talk about them. They're still the guiding principles behind everything that we're doing because method is determined by what we believe about the Bible. So we're going to talk about, here about three steps. And with those three steps, we're going to talk about looking at the Bible through three different lenses. Um, you ever go to the eye doctor and they, they do that flippy lens thing? I don't know what it's called, but I call it the flippy lens thing, you know, where they're like putting a different lens in front of you. This or this? This or this? Yeah. Yeah, so like kind of picture three lenses that you're going to be able to, to look through. Um, the, the first one is uh, them, and by them I mean the people that are in the original context. So the author, the people that he's writing to, maybe the people that he's writing about uh, if, it's, if it's a narrative. So I, all of those fit into the them. Um, the second lens that flips down is the Jesus lens. So how does this point us to Jesus? How is this fulfilled in Jesus Christ? And then the third lens is the us lens. Here today, 21st century America, Solanco, Pennsylvania, how does this relate to us? The church, not Israel, all those different types of things. How, you know, how do we relate to this? Okay. And to get to those three lenses, we're going to use three activities. Um, observation, uh, which is what it, what it sounds like. I'm going to look at the text. I'm going to observe. So if I'm observing Charlie right now, I'm observing that he's wearing a purple shirt and a purple tie that match very nicely and uh, khaki pants. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm observing things about him, right? And I'm going to, the same thing is true of the Bible. We, we, like, we need to actually read. And sometimes I read and I'm like, I haven't observed a thing, right? <laughs> like, I just read and I'm like, what did I just read? That's not the goal of Bible reading. It's, you're not going to go anywhere fast if you don't observe. Um, secondly, uh, you're, you're going to talk about interpretation. So um, that, that really comes at the end of lens one, them. So you want to interpret it. What did it mean for them? Okay. But it also plays into lens two, Jesus. What does it mean in light of Jesus Christ? And, and, and in light of his fulfillment of the law and in light of his salvation, and in light of his return, like what does it mean in light of those things? We'll talk about that. Um, and then application is then moving it from what does it mean in light of Jesus to what does it mean for me in light of Jesus? Us. You know, we're, we're applying it to our lives. And we'll talk about some questions that fit under each of these. Okay? So three basic lenses, them, Jesus, us, three Steps of Bible reading, observation, interpretation, application, okay? All right, so let's talk about observation. You can look on the back. So observation is, is basically asking some basic questions of the text. And, and some of these things will come intuitively. Like, when I, when I say this, first of all, don't think that you need to look for every single one every single time, okay? Don't think you need to write down every single thing every single time. Um, it can be helpful to train yourself, but, like, if the who is just insanely obvious, 
maximize your time and move on to the where, what or the where. Um, you know, like don't don't get. I'm not trying to like put so much in front of you that you're like, I, I just don't have time for any of that. You know, like you you know use your time efficiently when you're reading the Bible, but at the same time seeking the Lord. Like, what do you want me to see here? Because remember, we're relating. We're relating to God. So the who. Um, when I'm asking who about a text, who am I asking about? Yeah, yeah. So any who, any anybody in the text, any you know, and, and remember that there's an author, and there's a recipient, there's God. <laughs> that might be a who. He will be a who. Um, what? So like, what's he saying? And 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 what are you know? What's the subject? And all these different things. Where? Where is this happening? That may or may not, I mean, it, it is important, but like it may not be the most important thing for you to get to, but like sometimes it really is important. Maybe there's places that you, you don't understand. You need to look that up or something like that. When? Um, when did this happen? When, when did it happen in, like, when we're thinking historically in the timeline of the world? Um, when did it happen, you know, the timeline of the world is redemptive history then. And when, so when did it happen in light of, of God's salvation story. So is this like before Jesus came or after Jesus came? That's a really important question to ask. Is this before Israel was a nation or after Israel was a nation? That's a really important question to ask. Um, you know, how, you know, if you're looking at the early church, you can dig into the details about like how, you know, at what point, you know, is this an early letter of Paul, a middle letter of Paul, a later letter of Paul? Uh, and, and just answer those things um, rather quickly, uh, but you're trying to get some facts. You're, you're fact-finding an observation. And then words. So like, what are, what are the actual words used? What words are repeated? Um, what words don't make sense? What words do you need to define? And just observing all those things, and, and you're, you're fact-finding as much as possible. So let's, let's do this a little bit, okay? Um, open up Psalm 2. I just kind of picked this at random today, by the way. This is not related so much to our uh, sermon this morning. Ever get in the moment where you're like flipping through the Bible and realizing you're thinking about something else, and you're like, "Where am I?" Psalm two. All right, um, I'm going to read it and then just try to answer a couple of these questions about who, what, where, when, and some of the words. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the degree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. 
You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All right, so huddle up in your groups and answer just some of these questions. Who, what, where, when, words. The reason I didn't ask, there is a reason I didn't ask why, and that's because we're going to get to it later, okay? Let's pull it back together for a minute. What are some things that you observed? This is a long chapter. <laughs> good, that's good. Okay. Okay, so what does that tell us? Okay, good. What are some of the capitalized words that you observed? Zion, okay. Yeah, what else? Oh, okay. A lot of aggression. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some of the what, right? Yeah, yeah. There's some tension here. What else? Okay. So what does that tell us? That's good that's good for interpretation. But what does it tell us? So, so God has multiple names by which he has revealed himself in the Bible. And uh, Lord, and it's all capitalized, if you look at the front of your Bible, they'll actually tell you this, that the reason that they did that, um, like before they actually get to Genesis 1, uh, the reason that the translators did that is so that we would know that in the original language of Hebrew, they were choosing the covenant, they were choosing to identify the covenant name of God, Yahweh, in that way with the capital letters L-O-R-D, okay? Um, and then not capitalized is the more general term for Lord, like even a human could be described as like Lord Miller. You know, I'm, I'm the Lord of 25 East 3rd Street. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not, not going to make that example. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so there's, there's some different things that we can notice about God's name and how he's revealed himself. Um, anybody talk about the when? So generally, where, where is the Psalms? Are we talking before Israel, during Israel, after Jesus? Where are we at? During Israel, right? And some are before the king. Uh, the kings were set up. What do you guess this one is? After the kings are set up, right? Because what is he talking about? 
Kings, right. Yeah. So, and he's talking specifically about his anointed one, the king. Um, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's do this. We're going to move to interpretation now, and we're going to summarize. So all that we've been doing is looking through lens one so far. If you feel yourself starting to say, oh, I know who the anointed one is. It's Jesus. Slap yourself on the hand. Okay? Just, just don't, keep yourself from rushing ahead is what I'm saying. Um, so what is the author talking about generally? Like a general subject. Okay. The state of humanity. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sovereignty of God. And this conflict, this, this state of humanity that there's this conflict between the rulers of nations and the sovereignty of God. That the rulers of nations want to act like there's no God. That they want to actually rise up against the anointed. And who is the anointed? What's that? The Son. Yep, the Son. And who, who, who are we specifically talking about in the them category? Do you know? And this is where it's going to help when we get into the whole story. Like, we'll be studying this kind of thing in real time. It's the king of Israel. God's specific people, the king that is over Israel, is the anointed, and he's referred to as the son. Right? And so what does he say about the subject? This is under lens one summary, three, the three questions. So what is the author talking about? What does he say about the subject? There you go. Yeah. And they are not only going to, they come against him. They actually are currently coming against him, and they are destined for failure. Yeah, and who's, who's he speaking to then? To Israel and the king specifically. Right. So he's saying to the king, depend on me. Come to me for, for everything that you need and I'll give it to you. And so why does, he, why does he say it? Why do you think that God gave Israel, first of all, this psalm? Yeah. Why would they need hope? Right. Right. So, so the na they're watching the nations rage. The nations are raging in front of them, and they need some insight into what God is doing. 
The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. And he holds them in derision. And he said to his son, you are my anointed. Come to me. Have faith in me. Okay, so that's, that's them. So we're going to summarize lens one with the three questions, okay? And then we're going to move to lens two. How is this fulfilled in Jesus? And I want, to, I want you to think of that. that. That can be a difficult question to ask if you've not really asked it before, <laughs> if you're not used to seeing these things in the Scripture. So I want you to think in, in a couple of different ways, okay? Um, the first one is identity, the identity of Christ. Who is Jesus, okay? And we can think of what are called types and antitypes, okay? So that there are types of Christ that, that are, um, what's the best way of describing a type? Feel free to help me. Okay, that's good, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in this case, we have a king is a type of Jesus, right? The, the king of Israel, is Jesus came as the king, didn't he? Coming, coming as a king riding on a donkey. Um, so we have the king of Israel being Jesus. He's the savior king. He's the Messiah, right? Antitype would be like the opposite of a type. <laughs> the, 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 he's, the, it's, um, let's see. The judges are good antitypes <laughs> uh, because they're often not trusting and not doing what they're supposed to, but they're still, um, you know, fulfilling that space that Jesus should fulfill. Uh, so you have types and antitypes. Then I want you to think of this. Life, death, resurrection, and return. Okay? So did Jesus fulfill this in his life? Think about his obedience. So if there's a command, how did Jesus obey that command? Um, if, there's, if there's a sin being represented, how did Jesus resist that temptation in his life? It, um, then his death, sacrifice and atonement. So we see sacrifice, the slaying of animals all throughout the Old Testament, right? And, and how did Jesus, his death on the cross, fulfill that sacrifice? Or, or is maybe there's a picture of one standing in place of another. So you think of like Abraham and, and Isaac and, and the ram on, on the mount. Uh, what mount? <laughs> Drawing a blank. On the mountain. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the ram is, is provided as the substitute. So his death. So you're thinking life, death, resurrection. God's design for new life in Christ. Um, so... Uh, Think about how does new life in Christ, how, how is, you know, maybe like the, the creation account that we were talking about today. You know, Adam is perfectly representing God's image. And Jesus is fulfilling that as the perfect image of God. And, and, and in his resurrection life, he's recreating us into his new image. So think about his resurrection and then his return, um, the hope and the promise of future glory. So Jesus is coming again, and he's going to make all things right. And so, so that's right here in Psalm 2, right? Like, um, 
you know, now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Jesus is coming, and he's going to set all accounts right. And, you, we, you know, we have a certain amount of time. The kings of the earth have a certain amount of time to get this right. Okay? So there, that's lens two. How is this fulfilled in Jesus? How does this point us to Jesus? And we're going to practice all of these things over the whole rest of the class. So like, we're just giving a basic overview. If you're like, I can't do this, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay? So lens one, lens two. And then we're going to get to application, which is lens three. And so there's four basic questions that I want you to ask here. Who, what, is it, what does this reveal about who is God? About what he has done? about who am I and what must I do. Okay, so we talked about how it's fulfilled in Jesus, that he is the son who's anointed. In fact, like this passage is referred to at Jesus' baptism. Today you are my son. Today, today I have, uh, you are my son, my beloved son. I, today I have begotten you. It's referred to back at the baptism. It's referred to elsewhere. Uh, oh, in the uh, Mount of Transfiguration as well. So, like, this is clearly about Jesus, ultimately. And wherever you're reading the Psalms, think, Jesus is the perfect reader of this Psalm. Um, so, so then, what does it mean for me? In light of who Jesus is. So, who is God? Answer a couple questions about who God is based on this understanding of this text. Who is God? What's that? King. Yep, yep. He's the provider. Where do you see that specifically? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the sovereign one in the heavens while the kings are on the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn a ton about God here, right? And we learn it specifically. What does it mean for God, for God to be judged? You know, we can get even more specific. What, what does it mean for him to, you know, what is he providing specifically? Well, he's providing actually all of the blessing that he promised to his people Israel. He's providing the, the eternal kingdom that he has said he would usher, usher in. So, who is God? What has he done? Well, he says, I have set my king on my holy hill, Right? And when we realize that that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, we can say, God has set his king, Jesus Christ. He set him up. His, he, Jesus came saying, uh, you know, my, my kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what does that mean about who we are? We are living in that context, at least. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're what's that? <laughs> right, right. We are among the nations now, but at the same time, we're set apart as God's people. So we're, we're citizens of a different kingdom, still living in the context of among the nations, right? 
true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so we are within his refuge. We are in the sovereign care of the God who sits in the heavens and laughs at the nations and all of their wars and all of their murmurings. Like, let's not minimize, like, to us that looks really scary. And to God, you know, we're now getting God's perspective on all of the wars, like Iran and Iraq, and God's now looking at all that saying, what are you guys doing? Knock it off. Like, this is all going to end at some point. It just gives us this breath of hope, right? Uh, if God is, we could also look at it this way. Like, if God is in control, if God is in the heavens, guess what? I'm not. <laughs> like, if God's the one in the heavens, I'm not. So, you know, we can also look at it that way. It's like sometimes it's not going to be completely clear who am I in, in the text, but we can draw some inferences, like, about if God is God, then I am not, kind of thing. Um, what must I do then? What must I do? Stay humble. Okay. Be the sun. Okay. Kiss the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is like totally an evangelistic psalm, right? Like believe in Jesus. Get put all, go all in on Jesus because He's the Son. Yeah, what else? And we don't know when that's gonna happen. It's gonna come soon, but we don't know when. Yeah. His wrath may his wrath may soon be kindled. Yeah. Yeah, so there's an urgency to getting on I'm rushing to Christ's side. And it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Amen to that too. It shows he's a he's a good God. Yeah. I will tell of the decree. Of a, no, actually, does it say that? I will tell of the decree. Who's speaking? The Lord said to me, you are my son. So it's actually Jesus speaking there, or, or the king speaking there. In, in verse 7. Yeah. What were you going to say, Robert? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's this, this, this is such a warning passage, but it's also an invitation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like, don't rise up against the sun, but in warning, there's also grace that you have the chance to turn and kiss the sun. Yeah, and have refuge, yeah. So I did put in a couple of questions that you can ask, like when you're trying to answer these questions, who is God, who, what has he done? Like is there an attribute of God that you're going to praise? Like that, like application doesn't just mean like, doesn't only mean, I should say, 
that I'm changing something about me. <laughs> you know, sometimes it does. It mean it means repentance too. But like it, that, there's also there's other types of application like worship, <laughs> praising God is an application of. So like, like is there an attribute of God to praise here? Yes. <laughs> like, praise you, Lord, that you are the one who sits in the heavens, right? Uh, is there a promise to believe? Yeah, right here there is, right? Um, that, that God is going to fulfill his way in history and have his way with the nations. Is there an explanation or an illustration about how God works in the world? How does this passage drive me to trust the finished work of Jesus Christ? And then under who am I, what, do I, what must I do? Is there an identity to put on? You know, maybe it says something about being a child of God or... or uh, a member of the church or something like that. You know, there's, there's an identity that I need to assume by faith. Is there a command to obey? Is there a heart attitude or desire to put off? Is there a heart attitude or desire to put on? And all of that is application. All of that is like going to change the way that I live my life. Now, again, I don't ask you all of those questions so that you, like, answer every single question. <laughs> Okay, every single time. I'm asking those questions to give you some things to think about when you're reading the Bible, to have like a little bit of a catalog in your mind to say like, what are some of the types of questions that I could be asking, right? But, but bring it back to the most basic observation, lens one, I'm looking at them. Interpretation, I'm closing out lens one, what did it mean to them? Putting it all together. Everything that I looked at in observation, I'm putting it all together. Then I'm moving to lens two. How is it fulfilled in Jesus Christ? And then in application, I'm moving to lens three. What does this mean for my life? Who is God? What has he done? Who am I? What must I do? And you could divide, you know, say you had a half an hour. You could divide that up ten minutes each you know, time. Set yourself a little timer. And just see what you can observe in ten minutes. Um, and then move on to interpretation and see, see if you can begin to answer some of those questions in interpretation in you know, the next 10 minutes, uh, and then move on to application. See what you can glean out of that in application. And, and I think the more that you practice this type of thing, the more that you're going to get. Now, in order to put this on the absolute bottom shelf, um, in your How to Read the Story guides, there, this week is one chapter per day. So we started out light. Next week, it's not so light. <laughs> um, it's two to three chapters. So this week is one chapter per day. Just begin practicing these things. Just begin looking in this way. Instead of just reading, just, you know, practice. What I would suggest to do, if you're anything like me who's easily distractible, and that half an hour is going to get eaten up by, like, ten other things that are, than reading the Bible, um, you know, listen to it while you're reading it, okay? So find a Bible app. And actually, today, I'm going to send out an email with a version uh, link. And we're not, you're not able to put the reading plan on there as a reading plan, but you can put it on there as events. Uh, and so you're going to get a version link that has the, the text right there in it. And you can take notes there in it if you want to do it that way. You can also just grab a journal. I would, I would recommend, instead of using your phone, to grab a journal. But listen, you know, maybe listen to it while you're reading it. Um, and then you know, observe some things. 
interpret some things, apply some things. And guess what? Again, this is about relating to God. So you have the Holy Spirit with you. So you don't have to let it freak you out. You have the Holy Spirit with you who wants to communicate himself to you. So we're going we're gonna to hold firm to what we believe about the Bible, and that's going to drive our method. But we also are going to cling to and cry out to the Holy Spirit all throughout to help us observe, help us interpret, help us apply so that we can re- relate to God throughout. Um, so this week, you're going to look at the How to Read the Story plan. If you don't have one, there's some in the uh, on the welcome table. There's like a brochure rack. There's some brochures there. I think Alden said that he printed some extras out as well. Uh, they were in the Oak Hill Update email. So like we have gotten this to you every which way we know how because uh, we want you to have it. Use this Bible study method throughout the week. We'll come back next week and we'll talk about literary styles and how they relate to all this. Okay? Let me pray for us as we go. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for uh, how good you are to us to reveal yourself to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would show us the the wondrous things that you have told, uh, that you would Help us to to understand just how rich and beautiful and and pure is your word. How effective that you have made it in our lives. How it is sweeter than honey and richer than gold. And may we love your word as we devote ourselves to studying it. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Ask me any questions you want as we go. And even about the sermon, too.